Welcome in to the Hitstick Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your host, Mr. Mike Seta, joined as always to my left, the soulless canine, Rydog. What the fuck is up? Denny's, your boy is back. And of course, not the quarterback, Chris Sims. What's up? What's up? How's it going? Well, before we get started, just wanted to remind everybody to uh, follow us on all those social medias at Hitstick Fantasy on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Facebook. And also, you can feel free to follow us on our own personal Twitters. I'm at Michael underscore Seta. I'm at the real Ryan Long. I'm at Hitstick Chris. Get at us. Ask us some questions. Let's let, gear you up. Get you ready to win some championships. And for any uh, long form feedback, feedback, feel free to uh, hit us up on email hitstickfantasy at gmail.com. And please uh, rate, review, and subscribe to all your uh, all of our podcasts on all the different podcast platforms. Apple Podcast reviews are very much appreciated, especially the five star ones. Definitely. Well, any big news you guys want to talk about first where we jump in? Najee Harris got fat. He didn't get fat. He gained 14 pounds. He's in the best shape of his life. Listen, the last time I gained 14 pounds, everyone called me fat. Well, you're not Najee Harris, a pro athlete. You're just, you know, a fat ginger. I'm not a fat ginger anymore. I'm a skinny ginger. Uh, (laughs) Um, A little bit of news to touch base on. Uh, Rashad Penny is uh, participating in OTAs. So a few weeks ago we were talking about that. He uh, seems to be okay. For now. Sky Moore is not. Sky he, Moore's not? He's tweaking his like hamstring or ankle or something. He's tweaking? He's, yeah, he's tweaking. He's, he's at that ice cream place right now? He's, he's tweaking, already tweaking. Man, he's tweaking. Uh, who's, uh, who's not catching? Uh, Christian Watson, guess is not catching balls. You know, all your favorite rookie minicamp stuff. <laughs> well, that's because Aaron Rodgers isn't throwing it to him because he's a rookie. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, it's his turn. Right? Like, nah. <laughs> Where's Lazard? Where's Aaron Jones? Yeah, not to mention all the rookies probably being hurt and all that nonsense. You got all the best shape of their lives talk coming out of, you know, camps and stuff. So it's it important true. to pay attention, important to watch. But, you know, I wouldn't put too much thought into kind of what we're hearing now because when you're running walkthroughs and you're running on air and there's no pads on, this isn't really football yet. So yeah. Yeah. a lot of big guys aren't even participating. I think the only thing that's really like to keep an eye on for this is who is taking the reps where. You know, it doesn't matter if they're dropping balls or if they're, you know, missing protections. When you'll see those videos come out during, you know, camps, it's are they lining up with first team? Are they playing all of those first team snaps? That's what you want to keep an eye on. Yeah, I, and I think that's kind of important. But also at the same time, I'm not really too focused on it because, I mean, just think if you're looking at the Pittsburgh offense. Mitch Trubisky and Mason Rudolph are taking first and second team reps. I can almost guarantee you Kenny Pickett's going to be starting. I don't think Pickett starts. Yeah, I don't not think he does one. either. They sat Rafflesberger behind Tommy Maddox, and Rafflesberger had more draft capital in him than Pickett and was a much higher-level prospect. I, I don't think they start Kenny Pickett. I truthfully absolutely think it's going to be Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, there's things to keep your eye on, and there's things to, you know, you got to take it with a grain of salt. For me, the big thing I'm keeping an eye on this time of year is who is there, who is showing up. And that's because you kind of want to pay attention to the holdouts. You know, like there's an issue right now with Kyler. Is Kyler going to get paid? If Kyler doesn't get that contract – I don't know if I'm comfortable drafting him in my redraft leagues right now because I don't know if he's actually going to play. Deontay Johnson, that's another name that is not happy with his current contract situation. He wants to get a $90 million contract over four years. I do not think Pittsburgh's going to give him that contract. No, they will not. So, um, I mean, he's he did show up to OTAs, but he is very, very much not happy about it. So. Yeah, and one last big name that's not participating yet is Mr. Darren Waller after he saw what David Njoku got paid. He really wanted to get a new contract as well. So he is not participating in OTAs. Oh man, I didn't. I did not know about Waller. So Lamar also. 
Well, he's his own agent, so he's got <laughs> he's got multiple things to figure out. He's got to crunch some numbers, and <laughs> that's going to be a terrible experiment. I, I think the difference with Lamar, though, compared to like all these other players, even like Kyler, they're going to be playing. Like even if worse comes to worse, Lamar gets traded, he's going to play. Like you're not trading him to somewhere where he's going to be a backup. No, so. no, he he's playing. So him and Kyler, I'm not too worried about it. But I could other position, Kyler. other positions, I could see them, you know, sitting out. I, I could see Kyler being a little crybaby and sitting out of a year just to try and make a statement. I don't, I don't know the man personally. I'm not going to take shots at his character, but from what I've heard, he just strikes me as that kind of person. The type of dude to unfollow all of his teammates and his yeah. team on every social media <laughs> yeah. platform. So, oh. Well. All right, well, we got a really big show for you guys today. Let's, uh, we're going to jump into the entire AFC East, so uh, play that funky music. All right, well, I did not set this doc up today, so hopefully we are still in alphabetical order. First, we are going with the Buffalo Bills. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and get us started first. The player I'm going to want to talk about is a potential breakout or a potential bust. And he, uh, he's kind of concerning to me. And that's Mr. Gabe Davis. And, you know, everyone just keeps remembering that crazy, probably game of our lifetime that we saw in the playoffs last game year. Game of his lifetime, that's for sure. I mean, I, if we see a better football game than that in the next five years, I will be surprised. Because that game was awesome in all aspects. Oh, yeah. Going down the field within 10 seconds and back and forth, back and forth. He had 200 yards, four touchdowns. Like, if you're going into your draft and you're drafting this guy in the first five, six rounds and you're expecting some kind of explosion like that, I think you're going to be disappointed. Now, if he does start to come back to reality with the ADP and he slips towards that seventh, eighth, ninth round, that's something I wouldn't be too too uh, swayed away from simply for the offense that he plays in. I just feel like Gabe Davis is a very, very wide range of outcomes guy. Is He's he going to get in the top five rounds. Is that his current ADP? He is going, I think, around like wide receiver, like 35 to 38. Oh, my God. He's, creep, he's creeping up little every little bit every day. Yeah. And that's what makes me nervous about it is because, you know, th- there's going to be people that are the, you know, first, second, third options on – you know, on other offenses that aren't going to only be red zone threats that don't have a guy of an elite talent like Stefan Diggs in front of him. Yeah, you might have been right when you said he might have the widest range of outcomes for wide receivers because that is true. We, you know, they lost Cole Beasley. They lost uh, Emmanuel Sanders. So it is him right now as their de facto wide receiver too on a team that throws the ball more than anyone in the league other than uh, I think the Buccaneers. And they don't have any other weapons outside of Stephon Diggs. So if he com- becomes a reliable target, he could see a top twenty season. Didn't they get Crowder? Yeah, they did. But I mean, and and I'm Crowder. and I'm not I'm not against Crowder either. I think he can really fill into that Cole Beasley role and steal a ton of targets. Yeah, yeah. I I'm not I'm not high at all on Gabriel Davis. I think he's an interesting prospect. If he's somebody I have in my dynasty squad, I have no problem. Like you know, he's a fun player to hold. I would personally be selling, though, if he's going at wide receiver 36 or something like that. Uh, we're, the guy I'm going to talk about or plan to talk about is the reason why I don't really want anything to do with pass catchers on this team that aren't James Cook or one of the running backs and then Dawson Knox. I don't really want anything to do with the secondary wideouts of this team because we just know that Josh Allen has got, got a thing for his true number he, one. He funnels his targets. Yeah, yeah. and that's because and, I want to talk about Diggs because I think Diggs right now – going into the season is a smash value. 
Because last year, that you paid a really – I mean, Diggs coming off of what was like a top – five top three season at the wide receiver position his first year in Buffalo and you had to pay a really high draft price to get him on your team last year and a lot of people are under the perceive like the perception that it didn't really pan out but you still got the wide receiver seven overall yeah. now he didn't give you those Tyreek Hill like games where he exploded and won you weeks on his own but he's just a mold of consistency and like I said you know I mean he still finished as a clear-cut wide receiver one so but for that reason and that reason alone, especially when you also factor in that Josh Allen is one of the rushing, run-happy quarterbacks in the league, it just I just don't I'm, – I'm concerned about any wide receiver too, whether that be Crowder or their rookie uh, Khalil Shakir. I like or, Shakir a lot. I, I like him a lot too in Dynasty Leagues, but I don't really think I'm going to touch him too much in redraft. No, of course not. And because, you know, he's probably going to be like a wide receiver 7 or 8 on your team for this year. Uh, but you're right with Diggs. Like, that dude is the mold of consistency. And with people like Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams moving on to different teams this year, who knows how their outcomes are going to show up, it might bump up from wide receiver 7 to wide receiver 3 or 4. And if you're getting him around wide receiver 6 or 7, that is a technical value. Yeah, I, I'm in the camp where I think Stefan Diggs is going to be my number one ranked receiver this year. I would, not, I would not be surprised. I think it's going to be between him and Cooper Cup. And those are going to be the two guys that... Well, I would feel most confident drafting in the first round of my fantasy draft. Well, and the best part is, is with Diggs, you don't have to draft him in the first round. Right now, his, his aver- and this is right now, so take it with a grain of salt. There's plenty of time for things to change. He's on average right now, though, going 206. Six pick in the second round. That's your typical 12-team league. Who's going, going ahead of him? Cup, Jefferson, and Chase? Debo, Devontae Adams, Jamar Chase, Jefferson, and Cup. And then Tyreek Hill is right next to him. So it's give or take which one out of those two you want. Well, I would take him above Debo and... Uh, Devontae Adams right now. I would too. In a heartbeat. I, I absolutely would too, for this, especially for this season. Especially when you factor in that Josh Allen has done nothing but take steps forward, and that is his clear-cut first read. Now, I know I started with Gabe Davis, and it seems like you guys are kind of off of Jay Chowder and Gabe Davis this year in redraft. I don't think I'm off of them. I'm not off Gabe Davis. Simply for the fact of this is going to be one of the most explosive offenses in football. So if there's a team I'm going to take a shot on for my first bench receiver in my redrafts, This is a team I'm going to look towards. The Kansas City Chiefs are going to be a team I look towards. You know, those big, high-flying offenses, those are who I'm trying to target to see if there is a crazy upside with those kind of guys. And there can be with a guy like Crowder who, for some reason, always sees double-digit targets a game. Yeah, and for the record, you know, I'm not off Gabriel Davis, but I would much rather take Crowder, who's going probably way later, because right now Gabriel Davis is looking around late eighth round. That's that's where his ADP seems to land. I, I just think you can get better value there and I would rather you can probably get Crowder in you know easily the back double digit rounds and he's got just as good of a chance the only difference in my opinion is there is a much higher touchdown upside for Gabriel Davis oh yeah for sure yeah definitely all right so we kind of went over Josh Allen and most of the pass catchers so Ryan who's your guy for Buffalo um I went with Mr. James Cook um and this is mostly a fever. I was a big James James Cook fan I'm a big I'm a big Cook family fan Going into the, uh, fantasy football, I love Dalvin Cook. Still love him, even though everyone's kind of off on him in his injury. You get the half jersey, half uh, Dalvin, half James. No, no, no. But uh, the nice thing about James Cook is, you know, currently at ADP, he's essentially going undrafted. He's around the RB forty-five. So for redraft, you don't have to worry about wasting a pick on him. You can snag him and hold on to him for later rounds. But he does have a tremendous upside. He was, you know, taken in the second round. They used high draft capital on him. Uh, they know what role they want for him. The same role they were trying to go get J.D. McKissick for, this guy that they had essentially agreed to a contract and then lost him right back to Washington. So I think James Cook is going to have a standard every third down role. And then Buffalo Bills tend to play in games where they are shootouts, where they are like, you know, last second stuff. And that's where 
the RB3s or the third down running back is on the field and seeing the opportunities. So he could have seek, sneaky, sneaky upside uh, touchdown potential. Very sneaky. Very, very sneaky. And also, outside of uh, Devin Singletary, they don't really have anyone in that backfield. Zach Moss has been a huge disappointment. Matt Breda is a easy, easy with that. Man. I mean, he's been a huge disappointment. He, has. he was literally easy. healthy, and they were still telling him to not even dress. That one cuts deep, okay. Devin Singletary is a solid NFL running back, but he has not been great for fantasy football purposes. I, I got to get a timeout on the play here because I got to ask that a question. What which disappointment hurts more for you, Trey Sermon? Both. Or Zach I Moss? knew you were going to say both of them. <laughs> Honestly, both of them. And that's and this is this is a perfect example of you're not always going to be right when it comes to players you like just because of how good or bad they were in college. Sometimes that stuff just doesn't transition. And with the running back position specifically, you could be the most talented guy, best runner, best whatever in college, and it just does not translate to football. So honestly. That's my biggest concern when it comes to James Cook. I'm worried that if he had any other last name and wasn't related to Dalvin Cook, a dominant running back, would we even be talking about him as a top three, top five rookie this year? If he was still taken in the second round, we would. Mm. Yeah, the draft, the draft, the draft, the draft did it. Okay, yeah. well, do you think Buffalo would have taken them if he wasn't related yeah. to Dalvin Cook? Yeah, I just feel like there are other guys, like even even the guy who went to Tampa was that Rashad White. Yeah, like I think there's. Other guys who are just as good as pass catchers who we're just not really discussing, like we are discussing James Cook, simply for name value, and that's what makes me a little nervous. Well, yeah. I love Rashad White, especially from a dynasty perspective. The difference between those two, in my opinion, is there's no Leonard Fournette in Buffalo. Uh, Devin Singletary is, I mean, I think Devin Singletary is a good running back, but he's not great. And Buffalo has done nothing but try to replace him. Yeah. So, and who knows what James Cook's true college upside was because he played at Georgia, where they used three running backs every year, and they are always good. And see what I like about what I like about James Cook and what I like about your take Ryan is I, we've been saying it for years whoever gets the pass catching role out of the running backfield for the Buffalo Bills more often than not holds value for fantasy football that is the running back that is going to actually put up numbers for your team now what I don't like is I don't expect James Cook to remain undrafted because he's going to do he's going to shine in a training camp video or something and just because of that last name value i could very easily see him come redraft season especially in your home leagues people scooping him up in that eighth seventh round if people are reaching that high on him they're going crazy and the only the only reason he could go that high is if anything happens i I mean we just had rookie dynasty drafts and we saw him go 103 in in a league but that's a rookie draft you know with somebody who was very desperate for a running back because he took all three of them with the first three picks that he had I think the the way I look at the rookies, and I, I've kind of changed my stance a little bit over the last two years, is I'm more and more confident to take the rookie receivers than I am to waste early-round picks on running backs because it seems like no matter how good they actually are, they never really live up to the hype, aside from Najee Harris. And that was simply for the fact that he had 485 carries. I would say that, uh, I mean, Jonathan I think Jonathan Taylor, Taylor was good. Up to the hype. I got this. You I'd know, say Swift. I've got a point about this later. Yeah. I, I think Jonathan Taylor was solid, but still his rookie season, he was still splitting time. See, yeah, I just personally disagree. I think that I, I'm all over the rookie running backs that have draft capital to their name. Exactly. That's, That's the one thing that gets me too is if you're taken in the first two rounds, I love you. If you're taken in the third round on a team that doesn't have a good running back already, I like you. If you're taken after that, I'll throw a dart at you. Maybe, <laughs> depending on who's there. And Jonathan Taylor was probably one of the best running backs that's come out of college over oh, the last yeah. five years. Yeah. 
So yeah. I think that's a little bit of a different story. I mean, Jonathan Taylor was going in the first four or five rounds in drafts. Yeah, James Cook is not Jonathan Taylor. That no, is. Not by any means. But and, he, and, and Jonathan Taylor still was splitting a lot of time and wasn't as valuable as the actual talent of the player was. That's what makes me nervous drafting rookie running backs. Which I get. I will say that James Cook is one of the players I'm excited to watch this season and see if he does live up to the hype that his name carries. Yeah. So, but I'll be fine with taking him as my like RB five or six. Yeah, that's a great spot to have him. Just I mean, just see what happens. And you know, like I said, it, it's, like I was mentioning at last week, he's a good player. If he does stay in that back end of your drafts, he's a great player that you can draft. And if you see he doesn't really have a clear cut role, you cut him because you need players like that on your team. Because week one and week two on the waiver wire. Those are your weeks where you're going to get an Elijah Mitchell or one of those big running backs for the season or one of those big-time players. So always happens. It's always good to have one of those guys on your bench. All right, Ryan, you got anything else about your boy Cook? Nope, that is all. All right, so let's move on to the Miami Dolphins. Man, Miami so Dolphins. much excitement with that name or with that way you said the Dolphins. This one is just so, I feel like, so confusing. It's not even just their running back room. It's not even just their receivers. Their quarterback doesn't get me overly excited. So, Chris, just go ahead and get us started. Um, I wanted to talk about Tyreek Hill. I really like the receiving room on this team. You know, this is a fun division that we're talking about today because this has two quarterbacks, in my opinion, that are going are in make-or-break seasons for their career. And they're very much set up to succeed. We're going to talk about the second one later on when we get to the Jets. But, <clears throat> but with uh, Tua me. here, I mean, he's got all the weapons. And what they did was they brought in Tyreek Hill. And I definitely, I like how their head coach, McDaniels, has that San Francisco background to him. I fully expect them to utilize Tyreek Hill in a very similar fashion that they utilize Debo Samuel. I think they're going to get him the ball and let him just do Tyreek Hill things and make magic happen. I think they're going to give him some carries. Probably not, you know, 80 to 90 like with what Debo got. But I'm kind of comfortable, especially with where Tyreek Hill's like ADP has fallen into that like 207 that wide receiver like six to nine range in there in that ballpark, I think that's a very comfortable, safe pick because he's just one. There is not another receiver in this league that is like Tyreek Hill. That talent, it's not mimicked. And that speed, it's just you can't teach that. So I'm all about having a player like that with a head coach that's going to be creative with offensively and just let him scheme plays for Tyreek and get him the ball in space. So he's one of those guys that I'm absolutely going to be willing to, you know, use hopefully a late second round pick on and pair with one of those top running backs. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I loved having Tyreek Hill last year. And, you know, every year that he was with Pat Mahomes just because of the offense as a whole. But it does worry me with, I mean, the, the obvious stuff. The, the, is Tua's arm strength going to be decent enough to, you know, break, when the play breaks down, hit Tyreek on a deep post route and him go 80 yards for, for six and give you – 10 points off of one play. You know, I think two will be fine hitting him and them quick slants and the drags and, and those kind of things. But I also think that's where Jalen Waddle excels at as well. So my biggest concern isn't really Tua because I think he's going to get enough, you know, looks and stuff like that. I just think it's him and Jalen Waddle are so similar style of players that they may eat into each other and devour each other. That is true. Yeah, I'm a big, big Waddle guy. I think Waddle's going to still be great this year, and I think that does kind of hurt Tyreek's upside. The thing working most for Tyreek is the fact that they paid so much to go get him and then paid him so much money that they are going to use the shit out of him. And that's that's what it is. I, I like the, There's guaranteed volume to yeah. his name. So barring injury, I don't see a way that he, they're not walking on the field with design plays for Tyreek. And I, I love Waddle, too. I'm not trying to knock a Waddle. I think they're both 
Very, very, very talented receivers. And they're two guys I would love to have on my team. I wouldn't want both of them. That's, I will say this, this. That's not a wide receiver room. I want to own both because I've not seen Tua do it yet. So, Because uh, you get in those situations, you know, where it's like some teams will have, back in the day, you know, Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. And it's like, you can get away with that. Or like yeah. Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. From Julio and Calvin Ridley. Or yeah, or Jamar Chase and Higgins. I wouldn't, I wouldn't care to have both of those guys. I don't want to own both of these guys. It's one or the other. But I do... I like Tyreek Hill. I think that he has a lot of value there now, but at the same time, I wouldn't I wouldn't knock anybody if they said I'd rather get Waddle later. So let's see right now. I know Tyreek is going around two oh seven. That's his average ADP. Right around wide receiver it was uh, I think it was seven. Yeah, because Diggs was six. So let's find Waddle. I'm going to scroll down here. Jalen Waddle's going in the very beginning of the fourth round, pick round four oh two, and um, I don't know the exact number there. It looks like wide receiver. Um, maybe like somewhere in between like the 12 to 15 range. That might be too high for me for Waddle. So, so which one would, I mean, basically, so let's keep it, let's keep it easy. Tyreek in the second or Waddle in the fourth? Tyreek in the second. I think I'm going to go Waddle there. And I wasn't that big of a Waddle guy last year. And I think the biggest thing I, that concerns me is if, if you go over the last like four or five years, when it comes to fantasy football, there was always three to five receivers who you would want to take in the first round who were secure. And what did they always have in common? They had a top 12 quarterback throwing them the football, whether it was Aaron Rodgers, Pat Mahomes, Joey Burrow, even Kirk Cousins is can is capable of throwing the ball. Are we that sure that Tua can do that? Uh, we're going to talk about Tua in a little bit yeah. here. Do you want um, me to talk about Tua right yeah, now? Yeah, we can roll into Tua. Yeah. You like that segue? Tua was my guy. That's the guy I chose to talk about for the Dolphins. And it, uh, Everything we've said about it is right. You know, there's a, this is a prove-it year for Tua. This is the one year that he has to show what he can really do because there have been, you know, threats to move on from him for Watson, you know, in the past. There have been, uh, you know, they made the moves to get him all the weapons with adding Hill and drafting Jalen Waddle. Like, this is his prove-it year. Miami last year was eighth in pass attempts per game, so the volume should be there for those receivers. Uh, the only thing really working against him is he is kind of a noodle arm. You know, he's being drafted right now around quarterback 18 to 20 range. So mm. for fantasy purposes, it doesn't really hurt you to draft him. He probably won't go. He might not go drafted in your home leagues or anything like that. He will be a bench warmer to start the year. He might be a streaming guy. But with everything he has working for him, it's kind of hard to bet against him, if that makes sense. You know, you're not overpaying for a guy. You are paying double-digit draft rounds for a guy. And he has arguably, you know, a top five wide receiver room working for him. Oh, and no, it's not arguably. He does. Yeah. It's, it's the Legion of Zoom. And Gasicki's not anything to scoff at for, when it comes to tight ends on pass catching work. You know, that dude's like almost like an outside receiver on his own. So I really with like the addition of Chase Edmonds too into that backfield, he's got pass catchers. The, the way I kind of look at this room now is similar how I looked at the Rams with Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, and Jared Goof is those – players those receivers were elite but I don't think that I could ever put them in you know my top 10 when I did do it and I had Cooper Cup at the top five with Jared Goff as last year it bit me in the ass because he finished it that you know 12 11 you know and you're picking those guys so early that's what makes me nervous could he sustain two top 15 guys maybe at the back end of 10 possibly but I don't think you're going to see the upside with the the reeks and everything like that and I don't think he's going to have any kind of numbers to be relevant fantasy wise you know, I actually, Tua is an interesting person this year that I've been really keeping an eye on this whole offseason. He has very, very similar numbers his first two seasons that guys like that we are looking at as fantasy superstars right now, Josh Allen and Kyler Murray. 
And the reason I bring up those two guys is because you saw a massive step forward when they both got their true alpha number one receiver in Stephon Diggs and DeAndre Hopkins. And I mean, if you, I don't have the exact numbers on hand. I've done the research. I just don't, I don't know where that sheet of paper is in my notebook of all numbers and fantasy research and stuff, but it, it's incredible. It's scary how close they are. And I mean, there was a point in time where Tua was the clear cut number one quarterback coming in that class. And then he had that injury and that changed a few things. And, you know, we saw Burrow have the year he did and, then Herbert kind of came out of nowhere there. But I, I do think there's a real, a very real chance that Tua takes a huge step forward as a passer this year and as a fantasy asset and propels himself into that QB1 territory. Now, unlike Josh Allen and Kyler Murray, I no won't, rushing upside. Yeah, I was gonna say I won't give him the top five upside because he lacks the he lacks the wheels. He can't he, he doesn't, he doesn't have rushing upside and he doesn't have the arm talent. I think his arm talent's better than people give him credit. His accuracy is good. You know, he throws for like sixty-eight percent mm. accuracy. He's which a very is accurate fine for a starting quarterback. Uh, he's an interesting player, but I do think the numbers sync up, and he, you cannot deny that he just got an alpha, true number one receiver in Tyreek Hill. And none of those other guys have a wide receiver too that is on the same level as Jalen Waddle. And then I like like we've been hitting. I think that Mike Isiki is a dark horse tight end to draft. And you know, if you punt the tight end position. You can get Mike Isicki, who might get you 10 touchdowns. I like Chase Edmonds catching passes out of the backfield. Like, That's the thing, but not all of those guys can pop off. No. Two is not going to throw for 4,500 yards and 35 touchdowns. That's just not going to happen. I What's going to happen possible. is you're going to get like 3,500 to 4,000 yards and 25 to 30 touchdowns tops. If I, you get that many touchdowns, I will literally buy you a two a jersey. If he gets over 35 touchdowns, you're, yeah, you're getting a two a jersey. It's not happening. Can I so, get a two a jersey too? No. One of those guys is going to, to be good. I don't no. think both of them will be that good. That's why it's hard to like say who's going to really be king because I like both of them for talent wise. Jalen Waddle might be better than Tyreek Hill this year. It went from purposes. tank for Tua to tank with Tua if yeah. you draft him this year. So that's where I'm at with him. I, I just I'm just saying I think that I don't I'm not going to like attach my name to it. He's not going to be like a hit of the year or anything with me. But I, I do think it's possible that we see a four thousand plus yard season from Tua with thirty plus touchdowns. All right, well, we not likely, but it's possible. We've hit enough on the uh, passing game in Miami, so I'm going to round off the Dolphins with one of my favorite, I would say kind of sleepers, because I don't think he's going to be going too high for how much he got paid, um, and that's Mr. Raheem Mostert. And his biggest issue is the issue he's dealt with his whole career. How long can he stay on the field? But he is a straight speedster, and I think if you can draft him very, very late in a specific style of draft strategy – that is the zero zero RB draft strategy where you hit ride receiver, you hit quarterback, you hit tight ends early, and you're trying to piece together your room. I think Raheem Mostert would be able to throw in into that running back two spot for you a week in and week out as long as he's healthy. Going Raheem Mostert right now is going as the RB forty five behind guys like Chris Carson, Alexander Madison, Daryl Henderson, Rashad White, and Ronald Jones. And those are guys who may not see the field. And Raheem Mostert, I think, definitely. Even though he might not be the lead guy right away, there are going to be weeks where he does lead that team in touches. I think the connection to McDaniel helps that a lot, but I mean, the addition of Chase Edmonds and Sony Michelle, yeah, like there, there's too many mouths to feed. I don't think so. I mean, who is who has been better as a fantasy player in their career, Chase Edmonds or Raheem Mostert? Chase Edmonds, not even close. Yeah, I don't, I don't think Chase Edmonds has been that good at all. I think he had the opportunity and he lost it to James Conner. Best ability is availability, though, and. Raheem Mostert's never on the field. I mean, Chase Edmonds was banged up last year as well. You at least got an RB2 season out of him for the first 10 weeks of the year. 
I don't know. I think I'm not saying that he's going to be a number one or number two guy. I'm saying if he if this is a guy you're going to try to piece together your running back room with, he's a good idea to to take a look at. He's definitely yeah. worth the stash. I say sure. I do agree with that, especially going as RB forty five. Now I will never in a million years, and I do not recommend ever trying to approach the zero RB draft strategy. That it's just setting yourself up to fail, in my opinion. I will I don't advise it, but. As somebody you can get with that kind of upside at RB45, especially who has a connection with this head coach, and, it, like, I mean, you just hinted at Chase Edmonds, has it you saying healthy himself. So, I mean, there's problems there, too. They're both kind of injury-prone players, and I'm not really worried about Sony Michelle. Well, real quick, before you try to sway everyone from the zero RB strategy, one of the leagues I made it the deepest in last year, I went zero RB. My number one running back was Javante Williams, who I drafted in the seventh or eighth round. And my receiving room literally won me every game. Well, I mean, you were clearly playing with third graders because they let Javante Williams slip to the eighth round. I mean, that it was a competitive league with 12 teams. I don't understand how Javante Williams was in the eighth round of a draft, though. That I'm not sure. Happen. It, it was either he was a rookie. It was either, the, it was either the seventh or eighth round. I'm not exactly sure. He went in the fifth round of every single one of the leagues I was in last year, not counting the eight-man league, which in that one he went in the eighth, which is basically the equivalent of the fifth. So Yeah, he did. But I, I mean, it might work one time, but I guarantee you, more more times than not, I don't. I'm just, I mean, to each your own. I'm gonna, I'm gonna draft zero RB in all of my drafts this year, I, just to prove a point. That, that is, that is on recording. Yeah, that is legally binding. You, you have to, you have to stick to that. That's fine. I don't give a shit. Nice. All right. Well, we're moving on. You know, Dolphins are kind of boring and kind of scary to mess around with when it comes to fantasy. So let's get a little bit more exciting, and uh, we're gonna talk about the New York Jets. J E T S Jets Jets Jets. Sorry. We didn't plan that. Yeah, no. We didn't. Okay, so anyways, yeah, the Jets suck. We kind of already <laughs> that that's pretty much it. So we'll be moving I, on from the, them. The and Jets do not suck. They do suck. They really don't. The, the Jets suck. No, they, they, they don't. They suck shit. What do you mean? Oh my god, you guys. When have they been good? Living in the past. Oh, we're talking fantasy football here. We're not talking NFL when football. When have they had a relevant fantasy player besides Matt Forte? Is Rex Ryan their coach right now? Like what Rex Ryan, what a throwback of a name. I, I like the Jets this year for fantasy assets. I really like their head coach that they acquired last year. From Another one from a the A defensive-minded head coach. That's going to be really good for fantasy football. I mean, he still is a, a good head coach is a good head coach and sets a strong foundation for the team. And every good head coach knows you have to put up points to win games. This has been one of the most improved offensive lines coming into this year. They just drafted, they, in my opinion, the best wide receiver and the best running back from this class. I Don't know disagree. So, I mean, you can debate the wide receiver if you want to. Some people are Drake London. I would. Some people. I would not. It's fine. But I think Garrett Wilson was the clear-cut number one wide receiver from this class. They had Elijah Moore, who popped off. He was the wide receiver two overall in fantasy last year from weeks 8 to 14 until he got hurt. I, I think that the stage is set for this team to take a step forward and them to kind of really give you some fantasy production. I really like these skill players, and I really like the line that they're built, and I think they're going to put these players in positions to succeed, and they're in a division where they have to put up points. I really like Brees Hall and Elijah Moore, and I really like Garrett Wilson. Yeah, I don't know if they're in a real division that they need to put up points. I mean, when I think of the Patriots, I don't think of a high-flying offense. I think of a run game and good defense. When I think of the Miami Dolphins, I think of a solid defense with some burners. And when I think of the Buffalo Bills, I think one of the most complete teams in the NFL. I don't know if it's more of a if it's going to be a shootout based, you know, competition. And I don't know if they have the offense to literally put up any numbers. I mean, I love Garrett Wilson. He was my number one receiver coming out as a rookie. 
for sure. And I think he has a chance to be okay. But I also like Elijah Moore, just like you do. And I don't know if Zach Wilson's good enough to house two even top 24 receivers. That's what makes me. Davis is still there. Yes, he is. He like is. He was still banged there. up last year, but they, the reason they signed him, yeah, like they I, I don't like Corey Davis. I never like. You don't have to like Corey Davis, but he is there and he will be on the field. Yeah, yeah, maybe here and there. I mean, he's going to be their starter. Yeah, he's their extra. Garrett favorite. Wilson's going to have to earn his spot, and Elijah Moore may be filling in at the three spot. So right now, ADP Elijah Moore is going. Which Elijah Moore is my guy that I want to talk about because I, I'm all over Elijah Moore. I'm right? all off of Elijah Moore. Oh, wide receiver twenty six. Give me that all day. That's a wide Elijah receiver at three? 26? Wide receiver 26. That is disgusting. Why would anyone take him that high? I think that's right where his ceiling would be. The I only, think him and Garrett Wilson would, could finish right in the 20s. Yeah. The only person by after him that I would absolutely clearly take over him is, for whatever reason, Mike Williams is going right now at wide receiver 28. That doesn't make sense to that, me. That can't but, be right then. Yeah. Well, I'm, goes, I'm using Fantasy Pros ADP. But I, I just... We are not sponsored. Are, are you looking at average? Huh? Are you looking at average? Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes I just think okay kind of basing off of what I was talking about with the Dolphins it's the same exact thing but worse when it comes to the New York exactly Jets. their team is just literally a worse version of what the Dolphins are and if I'm not confident in drafting people from the from the Dolphins I'm sure as hell not gonna be confident in drafting people from the Jets I will take some swings on those receivers I don't think Zach Wilson has what it takes I think he may get he might be gone after this year give him one more year after that I don't know I don't think he's good well, you t- neither of you have liked Zach Wilson since his rookie season. So I mean, and, that's- and did he do anything last year to prove prove our point wrong? He got hurt, so I mean, he didn't really play that much. He was on pace if he played all the games to score eleven touchdowns. I mean, I think did eleven. He, okay, did any rookie quarterback do anything last year? I mean, Trevor Lawrence looked like shit too. I mean, yeah, I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm just saying, like Zach Wilson, like I, if if my whole thing was Trevor Lawrence sucks last year, and then he did what he did, I wouldn't be this year saying, yeah, actually Trevor Lawrence is going to be a superstar. No, he's not. He has shit to prove. So does Zach Wilson, and he did not prove anything last year. Right, we'll see what happens. I mean, I'm not, I'm not like running out to get Zach Wilson on my teams. He's not a quarterback that I'm targeting. But but you're targeting all his weapons. I'm targeting Elijah Moore and Brees Hall. Yeah, that doesn't that doesn't work out in my mind. When I'm looking at guys who I'm targeting, it's explosive offenses, good teams, and the, the good quarterbacks that could sustain those good teams. Running backs, a little bit different story. But when it comes to passing game, staying away from them. But at the same time, you have to understand where the value is because what you just said is obvious. Everybody's doing that. Everybody wants the Buffalo Bills pass catchers and Patrick Mahomes' number one option. Everybody wants Kyler Murray's number one first read. That's Those players are going to get took. You, there comes a point where those guys aren't there anymore, and you have to know where the talent is. And the talent is with Elijah Moore. He is a very, very good wide receiver. He's very, very good. I think he's solid. You don't be he, if you put him on any other team. I'd say okay, maybe he can be the wide receiver twenty eight. He me this was year. the wide receiver two over a six week span. You don't just luck into the that. best you ability is availability that. though. He played for majority of the year. I'm just saying, you said the same thing about my boy Raheem, who balled out when he was on the field. I said that compared to Chase Edmonds, because they're, that's Raheem Mostert's different. I mean, when Raheem Mostert plays, he's phenomenal. He is a great, he's just so fast. But who was that dude for the Eagles a couple years ago? Like Travis Fulgham? Remember when he was like the yeah. wide receiver one for like six weeks in a row? What's that? that dude's that not even in the fucking weeks. league. That was one week. I think it was a couple weeks where he was top receiver. Yeah, but the difference was he was getting 14 targets a game, because he was the only person on that team. Yeah, and now he's not in the league anymore. Now, I do agree, and I've kind of made a, a decision coming into this year, especially going into the rookie drafts, 
that I'm going to go talent over everything. But that doesn't mean for this year and for, for redraft purposes. Because for this year, like, I just, I could see the Jets finishing 4-13. and 13 And not scoring that many points. And, you know, as much as PPR catches our huge upside, if you score three touchdowns on the season, you're not going to be in the top 20. You, you got to score at least, like, five touchdowns when you're a receiver to be up there because those guys who are getting 150 targets and getting 100 catches, they're also getting seven to ten mm-hmm. touchdowns too. I, I disagree with that. DJ Moore has been a consistent wide receiver. Bet, a consistent receiver disappointment team. for anyone that's drafted him. Well, not last year. Last year he returned value. I mean, he was pretty much taken as the wide receiver 19, and that's exactly where he finished. He just gave you – he just literally returned what you drafted him. All I know is everyone always talks about how good DJ Moore is and how great his upside is, and he never, never fulfills it. Well, it's because he lacks the touchdown upside. Yeah. He just can't find the end zone. But he puts up the yards and he puts up the numbers, but he does all – he's never not been a top 24 wide receiver. And that's a valuable asset to your team. Mm-hmm. And and what's the common thing with DJ Moore and the receivers for the Jets? No that, touchdowns. That, that I mean, we'll and see. no, no quarterback. quarterback. I'm just saying, if I can get Elijah Moore – in like the mid tier rounds and he gives me a top 24 season, that's a win. I'll take that, especially for a guy that has the ability to put up wide receiver one numbers. But you don't think you're essentially taking him at his ceiling there at the wide receiver, like what do you say, 26 or 28? No, because I've seen him be a top two receiver overall in the league for a decent stretch of time. I know he's capable of doing so that. So he, is he better than Garrett Wilson? I don't know. I got to see Garrett Wilson play. I, I don't know. I mean, Elijah Moore was drafted in the second round. Garrett Wilson was a top 10 pick. That's all irrelevant, though, because the 2021 class was significantly I, better. I, I Elijah mean, Moore would have been a first-round pick in this class. I'm 100% sure. I don't know that. about that. I you, mean, I'm not you saying— You take Jahan Dotson over Elijah Moore? Yeah. You're insane. Yeah, but the thing is, no one's talking about Jahan Dotson as being like a— bona fide stud starter every week. Why not? Because he wasn't taking it in the top 10. I mean, I'm not proclaiming Elijah Moore to be a bona fide top 10 stud. I'm just saying he's able to do it. I've seen him do it. All right, we've done enough shitting on Elijah Moore. I like Elijah Moore. Don't get me wrong. I just hate the Jets and Zach Wilson. I mean, I, I understand the hate for Zach Wilson. I'm not going to sit here and die on the cross for Zach Wilson. He's not done anything for me to do that. I think I, I'm not as off him as you guys are. He's somebody that I'm interested in. If I can get him dirt cheap in a dynasty league right now, I will. Just because I'd rather not. draft Baker Mayfield and Jimmy Garoppolo as my quarterbacks and redraft. Then you're going to get zero points. Yeah, I'd rather do that. Fair enough. Damn. All right, Ryan, who do you got for the Jets? Can you do that in um, our leagues? I went with the only person I think I'd be willing to take on the Jets this year for redraft purposes, and that's Brees Hall. RB1 for the uh, New York Jets, Jets, Jets. Uh, somebody, Chris, was really bummed that I picked because I called dibs. He says it's stealing. I called dibs. We all knew that's who I wanted to talk about. Oh, I know. It's all right, because Chris is going to be off him in in a year or two when he doesn't fulfill his top 24 status like Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Okay, Clyde Edwards-Alaire was supposed to return top five status. Thank you very much. Uh, The one thing Brees does have working towards him is the fact that, you know, high-drafted running backs tend to return value pretty well. he's not Clyde Edwards-Alaire. And he's not Clyde Edwards-Alaire. They can have immediate success in the league. You look at people like Najee, Jonathan Taylor, Gibby, Miles Sanders, those were all like RB1s to Miles Sanders was an RB15 all in their rookie years. Rookie running backs are good. Usually. Uh, when they're yeah. taken high enough and when they have the workload around them. All those guys are drafted or all those guys finished as RB1 their first year. Yep. Wow. Najee was top five. Jonathan Taylor was top seven. Najee, I Gibby, understand. Gibby was 12. And I wouldn't expect any of those other guys. Yeah. Because were. I feel like they were very disappointing if you drafted them. No, they're just disappointing now because people are taking them in the top 10 after that I year. said Gibby was borderline undrafted. I mean, he was like. He was a third round dynasty pick. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, it was. I think it was, he ended up creeping up into late second. But for a redraft standpoint, 
We saw, I mean, Gibson was going in like the 10th round Yeah. later. You guys scolded me for having him in my top 36. Which is a bold move, but it's, you know, it happens. Like rookie running backs, if there's a rookie position that is going to go off, more often than not, it will be the running back position. They don't usually take long enough to land on their feet and take over their roles as much as wide receivers do. Uh, obviously, we've had generational talents like Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase kind of like ruin that mindset for wide receivers, but running backs are the way to go when it comes to rookies. I agree with that. Um, mm. Even like Philip Lindsay was an RB1 in his rookie year. He was undrafted. Exactly. So it happens. He's uh, he's crazy talented, crazy athletic. I think he's like a top 90th percentile at the James combine. Robinson too. Yeah. So like it, it happens. Like he's got everything working towards him. Things working against him, you know, uh, shared backroom with guys like Michael Carter and uh, Ty Johnson, like stuff like that. Are they going to give him the full workload to start off the season? Who knows? But, you know, they use that high draft capital on him. He will eventually settle into that Jonathan Taylor-like role, I think, when it comes later in the season. So you might have to wait a little bit on him. But he's being drafted right now around RB20 for redraft purposes. Give me that all day. I think that's his floor. Give me that all day. I think that's his absolute floor. I agree with that. So I, I will be hammering that all this year. Looks like Got we're going to be fighting fever. for another rookie. You and I always doing that. I, I love Brees Hall. I think this is one of the most impro- – like I said earlier, it's one of the most improved offensive lines, and he's got the draft capital because nowadays that early second-round pick, that's the equivalent of a first-round pick because these NFL teams have gotten smarter. They're not using those high firsts on running backs. It's, it's too much of a disposable position. But I'm all over Brees Hall for a lot of the reasons you just said. I think that he is one of the best running back prospects we have seen in a very long time. Yeah, he's going around guys like Cam Akers, James Conner, Elijah Mitchell, and Travis Etienne. And I think James Conner might be the only one of those guys that's, I would take over him. That's, mm. I, that was literally going to say that. I was going to say Elijah Mitchell is the only one I wouldn't take out of over him. Ooh. You would take Cam Akers over Brees Hall? I think, yeah. Better team, Ooh, and, that, and, he, and he's... He's played and he has a solidified role. I, I don't. I'm not against Brees Hall by any means. I think he's very good, but I also think Michael Carter's not bad either. Where I don't think Daryl Henderson is going to be taking take from Cam Akers as long as he stays healthy. Where I think that they could split it up because of how young he is. Yeah, I don't want to get too off track here because we're going to have an episode where we talk about that division. I'm very much off Cam Akers this season, but um, anyway, uh. I'm not worried about Michael Carter. I think Michael Carter was a fourth-round pick. They clearly were not that satisfied with him. They went out and used a very, very high draft capital on a running back this year. So I, I think that Michael Carter might get a little bit of work. But what a lot of people overlook here is Brees Hall is a better pass catcher than Michael Carter is. He's a better everything than Michael yes. Carter is. Brees Hall was the better. best running back in this class. He was the, one of the best running backs we've seen in the last three or four classes. Was it the most mm. like athletic one since Jonathan Taylor? I, I'm... I'm a Steelers fan. I'll tell you right now, if we're going off of running back prospect, I would take Brees Hall over Najee Harris. That, see, I, I don't even agree that he was the best over the last three or four years. I feel like there were... I said like, one of. I w- yeah, I mean, I would rather have Javante, Najee, J.K. Dobbins, Jonathan Taylor. Like, there are so many other guys who were just as good in college, if not better in college, that are still dominant and... That's where I feel like you kind of it kind of gets in your head that rookie. Yeah, but you want to get ahead of that dominance. You want to get that guy being drafted around twenty before you have to end up taking him around five. Yes, I mean I don't disagree, but if we're talking this season, I think that there's a there's a not an unlikely chance that he turns out like Clyde Edwards-Helaire did. Clyde Edwards-Helaire was still like a top twenty back in his Clyde Edwards-Helaire rookie season was not terrible. It's just you didn't yeah. have, you had to pay. The only thing that made it terrible was you had to use a first round pick on him. 
That's what made it bad. If you're getting Brees Hall at RB20 and he gives you a Clyde Edwards Hilaire rookie I, I, season. I can't see him going as RB20 when it comes to redraft. That's what's at right now. It'll definitely rise once, you know, season comes along. But, I mean, I don't see it going higher than, like, 15 or 16. I think it can go where I saw JT and J.K. Dobbins going, and that was in, like, the fourth and fifth round of drafts. Also where, like, a Cam Akers was going when he was a rookie. Smash that and, all day. Yeah. And those are scary draft picks to take, you know, because if they don't hit – your team is completely set back unless you pick up the Eli Mitchells, the James Robinsons, a lot of the guys we discussed earlier who came out of nowhere as they're coming along to be a, to be a stud. So it, it it makes me nervous when it when it comes to Brees Hall because I just I think he's good, but I don't know if he's as good as Jonathan Taylor is because the Jets aren't good. That's the only thing that scares me from him. Yeah, you yeah. Can't the fact that he's on the Jets. I also don't think it's fair to use Jonathan Taylor as a mold though. John, there's not anybody in the league right now that's as good as Jonathan Taylor. He's the best running back. By far, in my opinion, I don't. I mean, Derrick Henry. You can you Nick can Chubb. say that one, Nick. But for fantasy, oh, for fantasy, yes. Oh, then Christian McCaffrey. Oh, that, that's. But I mean, it's still Jonathan Taylor. It's still Christian McCaffrey. He's the clear cut number one. Not Christian. Mm. CMC is still number one. Okay. If I was at the one on one, I would think I would still take CMC. Yeah, I would take Jonathan Taylor. That would just be me, though. I mean, I'm not going to fault you for taking CMC. If he stays healthy, he's phenomenal. But. Exactly. All right. Well, let's move on to the New England Patriots. Patriots. So I'll go ahead and get started. Uh, we've been talking. What the fuck was that? What, what was that? I'm doing my own sound effects. Are we just okay. going to let that go? I, I couldn't keep going. Okay, so we're going to um, go ahead and keep it in the whole running back room here. And uh, I'm going to get started with Damian Harris. And this is a guy who showed very, very big promise when it comes to actually running the football. He got a lot of red zone looks, got a lot of touchdowns, finished in the top 15 when it comes to running backs. And my biggest concern is the style of play for the New England Patriots. They love to split it up. They love to share the wealth when it comes to running backs. And if one person makes a mistake, it's boom, they're out of the game. So if he has one fumble, boom, he's gone. Ramondre's going to be the starter. Ramondre gets a fumble. It's going to be a bell cow work by Damian Harris. But I love Damian Harris, especially at his value. I think he's a perfect, perfect RB2 flex play, perfect first running back if you're going zero RB style. He's not going to be going that high in your drafts. And he has a tremendous upside with this kind of offense and this kind of rushing ability. Never go zero RB style. Um, but anyway, <laughs> no, I like Damian Harris as a player that you can get. I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to talk Ramondre Stevenson. And that's just because of the way New England plays. I think that if you are in any kind of a keeper league, you should be drafting Ramondre Stevenson towards the back end of your drafts just because I don't. New England does not pay running backs. Damian Harris will be gone next year. But Damian Harris... Last year, I mean, and to be fair, his last season it was kind of inflated by touchdowns. I don't expect him to carry another 15 touchdowns. No, season. but New England tends to have running backs scoring double-digit touchdowns. It's true. So where where exactly is he going? Is um does anybody know off the top of their head what round or at least what running back he is? Um, probably around the RB 24, 25 range. Yeah, I would imagine he's in the top 24. So he's right there. He's going in the mid fourth round on average. 405 is his average ADP. Fine with that. I don't have any issues with it. I personally would be looking at, I would rather have some of the receivers. I'd rather get Jalen Waddle, who's going in that same round. Um, I, Chris Godwin, maybe, probably probably that, not just because of the injury, yeah. but like if it, that injury wasn't there. But like Amari Cooper sitting there at 409, I think that's got a lot. He's got wide receiver one upside being Deshaun Watson's potential number one. Yeah, but it all depends on who you took in those first three rounds then. It's because true. If you're going with Damian Harris, odds are you might only have one running back already. Um, if you don't have, if you've already taken two, you're not going Harris. You're going with one of those wide receivers. Yeah, and if you started off your draft with a 
Cooper Cup and Devontae Adams or one of the top two of the top five receivers. Oh, you're going here. And, and then you got Mark Andrews in the third or something along those lines or a Kelsey or even a George Kittle or a Darren Waller. That's a perfect first running back to build I, your team. You around. know what? I'm looking at it now, just personally, I'd be off because I, I, I'm not ever comfortable investing a top five pick in a New England running back. It's too shaky of a backfield, in my opinion. They mix it up too much. And I just looked at all that, the literally the four running backs that are going after him, I would very much rather have on my team. And that's Josh Jacobs, Leonard Fournette, Travis Etienne, and James Conner. I would take all of those running backs over Damian Harrison. It's not even a, like, it's not even a thought how easy of a decision that is for me. So I'm personally off, but I do like the player Damian Harris. If Damian Harris was a bell cow on a different – if you put Damian Harris on the Cardinals and took James Conner off that team, Damian Harris would have regular running back one upside, the same way that James Conner does right now. So, But it's just the team. I, I can't not, – not New England, not that backfield. Not New England. So, uh, so, so you're scared away of the most runningest football team in the NFL – running back, but not scared away from a shitty offense and a shitty quarterback receiver room. I mean, I'm scared away of the fact that why draft Damian Harris in the fourth round when I can get Ramondre Stevenson in probably the 15th round, who has just as good of a chance to score as many points. Uh, I don't think he has as much chance to get 15 touchdowns like Damian Harris does. He was a... Okay, he was a darling last year come preseason, and you saw it on the field. He played phenomenal every time oh, they gave him a chance. He will be awesome in 23. I agree. But it will be Damian Harris. Bill Belichick is going to wear those tires out. And I liked Pierre Strong, the running back that they took this year. I think that there is a three-headed monster set up there, and it's a team. Yes, they do run the ball a lot, but it's going to be divvied up, which Pierre Strong is another dark horse guy that could take over – that James White-like role, because he's not there for the so, first time. So Chris now. likes all the running backs except for the starter who's going to get the attempts. I don't like using a top-five pick <laughs> on a New England running back, period. That's that's just where it's at. If you rotate, you put Damian Harris's name down and Ramondre Stevenson's name in the, the top-five rounds, it'd be the exact same narrative, but flipped. I'm not using a top-five pick on a New England running back. See, I stay water when it comes to drafting, so I like to you know take them ebbs and flows. And uh, when there's a dominant player... Like Damian Harris, I'm not afraid to take a New England running back. But can you really say he's a dominant player? He didn't even yeah. top 1,000 yards last year. Yeah, but he had 15 touchdowns. That's an outlier season. That doesn't happen. So even if there's some kind of regression and he gets to 8 or 9 and he still gets that many touches, he's going to still be a dominant running back when it comes to fantasy. So what do you what are you expecting from Damian Harris this season? What, what Give me give me where you think he's going to finish. RB what? If he finishes in the top 15, I'm taking that all day. I will make round. a bet with you right now that he is not a top five, 15 running back come into the season. Injuries inc- included or what? I mean, we can figure out an injury clause. He has to play 12-game minimum for this to count. All right, fine. You can't wear Steelers gear the whole rest next year if we, every time we record. So what happens, what, happens if, what happens if I, if I win this bet? You then can't I, wear Browns gear? Then I have to wear Steelers gear at least once. Oh. Now, time out, time out. I, I lose for the whole year and you only have to do it once? That's not, that's not yeah, He said only for recording. Yeah. Only for oh, only for recording. Yeah, yeah. only when we record. Because okay. I don't like staring at that ugly ass shit when we're recording. I mean, it's, it's a wonderful shirt. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I'll take that bet. You got to wear a Steelers jersey while we record, and we're gonna we're gonna literally record it and put it on our Instagram page. All right. I love the gram. I love the gram. Jamie Damian Harris top fifteen season. He has Fine to play twelve games to qualify. Half right. PPR. That's a bet. Uh, Chris. Did you talk enough about Stevenson? It's, it's just, I think that Stevenson's a good player to take in the back of your draft, especially especially if it's a keeper league, just because, like we said, this is one of the teams that runs the ball a lot, so you could probably get flex 
value out of him in like basically an undrafted territory, you know, around, I don't know off the top of my head where he's going, but I can't imagine it's higher than round 13. And then, like I said, next year when they don't pay Damian Harris and they let him walk, like they do every running back, you potentially have a wide receiver or a running back, you know, with decent upside right there that you can keep in the 15th round. Yeah, I so. like Stevenson a lot. Uh, I'll end this off here, and I went with uh, somebody who's probably my one of my favorite value picks when it's going to be coming up to this uh, new draft season. Is. Jacoby? No, Devontae Parker, mm-hmm. the new wide receiver one for the New England Patriots. Uh, right now, his ADP is around wide receiver 50. That is back of the draft. That is your wide receiver five or six, but that is somebody who is the wide receiver one on his team. And when you look at it, you know, they paid him the money. Devontae Parker's been a solid receiver his entire career. Not great for fantasy purposes, but solid. He's going to see probably around 7 to 10 targets a game, you know, the type of volume you like to see from somebody you're playing at at worst, your flex play. And uh, when you look at the stats, I mean, the Patriots had two, like, top 35 receivers last year. Uh, Kendrick Bourne in half PPR was wide receiver 30. Crazy, right? I didn't think. Yeah, I don't know. Jacoby Myers, wide receiver 33. Yeah, Kendrick Bourne had a lot of big games. He had a couple, like, two touchdown games, I'm pretty sure. And that stuff will happen. And I think Devontae Parker is going to settle right into that role where I think his ceiling is like a wide receiver 30. And if you're being drafted at wide receiver 50, I'm about that value all day. I like Parker. I'm okay with that. I definitely think they went out and got him for a reason. I, I support that take. So I like Jacoby just because I had him on a bunch of my teams last year and I was pissed when they got Parker. I thought, <laughs> I thought Jacoby was going to ball out this year. Jacoby always does ball out, but he only gets one touchdown in his entire career, and that was against the Browns. No, I know. <laughs> he the, he was a sad – like it, it's just sad for me because I thought he had the potential to kind of take that step that I that I see Devontae Parker kind of assuming now because he was so safe. He was 8 to 12 points every week, and now Devontae Parker, that's going to be a floor for him, I think. Yep. I think he can easily get 10 every week. Get four to five touchdowns, and you could see him uh, creep into that top twenty-four. Yeah, I don't hate it. I mean, I I don't. I'm not. This is kind of a pass catching field. I don't really want to get on my team, but from what you just said, with the uh, where you're getting Devontae yeah, Parker, you're getting him in the double digit round. Yeah, I have no problem taking a shot on that. So I'm all on it. Um, I do like Hunter Henry though as a tight end. I think that you know as somebody you can get later. Like if you complete like same thing. Like if you punt the position. So that's kind of my closing argument here on this team. All right. Anything else, boys? Uh, well, one more thing about Damien. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you guys want to talk about Brees Hall a little bit more? <laughs> I want to talk about the Jets. They fucking suck. Jets do so. much hate on the Jets, man. I don't understand. There's it. never been any reason to You're love. Browns fans. You, you have no yes, and that is one team that we could always consistently beat. So you That's should true. like the team, not hate them. No, we, no. Hate, we hate everybody. This is why, I, so you know why I like the Browns? Because they guarantee my favorite team two wins every single season. Except for in the playoffs, right? That was one time. Mm, people don't forget. That was like eight years ago, asshole. People don't forget. I don't know which one that is off the top of my head. It doesn't matter. See, that's why it doesn't yeah. matter. That was like eight years ago, asshole. People don't forget. You're right. People don't forget. Was it Big Ben? Like They got that snap, and it was right over his head into the end zone on the first play of the game. Touchdown, that's the brownies. only reason you guys won that game. We didn't even have a head coach that game. All righty. Well, I just wanted to uh, go ahead and thank everybody for tuning in this week. And uh, don't forget, make sure to hit us up on any of those social media platforms at HitStickFantasy on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, as our as well as our own personal Twitters. I'm at Michael underscore Seta. I'm at the real Ryan Long. And I'm at Hitstick Chris. Any long-form feedback, hit us up on email, hitstickfantasy at gmail.com. Please review. Please like. Please share. Damian Harris for MVP. Good night, Hit Squad. Big stuff coming soon. Damian Harris sucks. Fuck you, Zach Wilson.